Well, it's a, it's a great blessing for me to be here, uh, to have the privilege to share God's Word with you all. Um, today, I wanted to talk about the topic of love, and uh, it's a topic that um, I, I kind of tremble to share with you because uh, the more I meditate on it, the more I feel my own inadequacy, my own sinfulness, but I think in that that's the glory, because then we can glory in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, maybe this isn't the first topic that perhaps comes to mind at a men's ministry gathering. You know, maybe we want to talk about something a little bit more manly and macho. Um, but I was thinking maybe that's exactly why we need to talk about this topic. Um, you know, just speaking, I don't know how many of you guys are married. Um, but just, uh, <laughs> just, um, thinking about my own marriage and first, uh, Peter three, uh, what is the main challenge that we have as husbands? It's to live in an understanding way with our wives, right? And I think a lot of that, it comes and not just our wives with our parents, with our coworkers, whether it's, uh, those above us or below us. So much of um, where we lack is in love. And so I've been just uh, realizing that in my own um, life, my own ministry. And so I uh, just wanted to kind of um, more, I guess, just kind of testimony and just sharing what God has been teaching me with you all today. Um, and I want to do that by reflecting on uh, a couple passages. So if you would, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the famous love chapter, of course. But there is um, just so much here that I think it really, uh, you can meditate on this for more than a lifetime. Um, but I want to dwell on this chapter and um, in our uh, two sessions together, I want to split it up. First, want to talk about the priority of love. And then in our second session, we're going to talk about the actual practice of love. And so um, let's just go ahead and um, read verses 1 to 3 for now. And in these verses, we see the priority of love. So let me read that for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
I, I want us to just um, uh, soak in these three verses here uh, because I think there is uh, so much here that corrects what we typically live for. And uh, one, one question I just like to ask sometimes, I like to ask these abstract, really general questions. Um, but the question I like to ask is, uh, is what is life? It's very broad, all-encompassing, but I think it really gets to the heart of our hearts. How would you answer that question? What is life? To put it a little bit more specifically, what are you living for? When you get up every single day, maybe your Saturdays are different from your Mondays, but in any case, what do you get up for? What are you driving at? What's, what's your purpose and goal and intention? In these three verses, we find three competing priorities to love. And perhaps, I mean, I can relate to these, and perhaps you can relate to these. The, the first one, the Apostle Paul, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I take that simply to mean eloquence. So if I am the most eloquent person, but I think you could, I think it's possible to broaden that out to simply think about personality. If you have the most charming personality, and you can wax eloquent, and you can charm all the people in your life, for me, if I can confess, uh, I don't guest speak too often usually just speaking to my church. But when I come in a setting like this, there's, there is this thought in my mind, I, I want to be able to do this. You know, I want, I want to be able to come and be eloquent. I want to be so good with my words that I can impress all of you. And you can be enamored with how well that I speak. There, there's that temptation in, in my heart. And and in fact, every Sunday when I, when I get into pulpit, there's, there's that. And, and honestly, I'm an introvert. And so there's always this, uh, um, desire in me to be that extrovert who can just kind of woo a crowd. Um, I feel this to, to be a, a charming person who is able to just get along with all their coworkers, make everyone laugh. But the apostle tells us you can do all that, but if you have not love, what am I? I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The way I think about this is uh, classical music isn't as popular these days, you know, but when people go to watch a concert, <clears throat> who's the most useless person in the orchestra? Right? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't understand it. So if any of you guys, this is what you do for a profession, uh, don't be offended. <laughs> but right? It's just, it seems like the whole song plays and then at the very end, shh. What, what is the, what is the symbol there for? It, it's just there as an accent. Right? 
So it's nice. It's nice to have the symbol. But if the symbol is all you are, it's like no one wants to show up to that show, right? So I think the the saying runs true. Um, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so even for me, um, just preparing for this, I, I really had to just drive in my heart, I'm here to love you guys. I'm, I'm here not to, to show off my eloquence. I'm, I'm here to, to minister to you, to, to love you, to, to care for you. And if I don't do that, then I'm just, I'm just up here making noise, right? So that's one competing priority to love. It's this desire to be impressive, to be eloquent, to have a bubbly personality. Uh, the second, he says, if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains. Uh, what's he talking about here? Uh, he's talking about knowledge, but if I were to just boil it down, this is talking about your abilities. These are your talents. These are your gifts. These are your skills. In the context of the church, such as this, right? It's prophetic powers to understand all mysteries and all knowledge. So it's to be a powerful preacher. It's to be a gifted theologian. And you can understand and memorize the Bible back and forth. You understand all these systematic theologies and you're able to to spit all your knowledge of truth out. And even if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains. So I can be a prayer warrior and I can be a theological giant. But if I have not love, I am nothing. And I, I think when I, when I let those words sink in, it really stings. I am nothing. And I think what this communicates, especially for men, is this desire to find our identity in our ability. So here's another question. Who are you? How would you define yourself? How would you define your worth and value as a person? Is it your job title? Is it the degrees you have on your resume? Is it the company that you work for? All your accomplishments? Is that how you define yourself? If so, God's word tells us you're nothing. This is really countercultural, isn't it? I am nothing. I, uh, I think I'm, uh, entering into, uh, 10 years as, uh, the lead pastor of my church. 
and they they say ten years is sort of a milestone when uh, usually things start turning around. But uh, Andre kind of hinted at this. It's uh, it has not been an easy road uh, ministry, um, and I think what I've come to realize is a lot of it. The reason why it has not been easy. <clears throat> It's because I've, I just lack love. You know, um, I think something that's very common, <clears throat> or at least it was true of me coming out of seminary loaded with knowledge, right? And so, um, uh, a lot of my interactions with members, with other leaders in the church would kind of devolve into theological debates. And obviously, I'm the one who's trained, so I usually win, <laughs> right? But if I think about it, uh, in reality, I lost often. People would leave the church, uh, and it would it would uh, be just sort of this, uh, you know, just a really sad and painful process of a deteriorating relationship. Because I was right, but I was so wrong. Because I was not really uh, loving uh, those people the way that I ought to. So there's the the second consideration there, and then and then the third. If I give away all I have. And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This one is, uh, this one I think was the most difficult to understand, uh, because, um, if you had to define love in one word, I think one word that tends to come up is sacrifice. And that, that's kind of what it was in my mind. Love is sacrifice. And, and it is true that love often involves sacrifice, right? Our Lord, he said, greater love is none than this than a man lay down his life for his friends, right? So it is true, but what we see in this verse is that it is possible to sacrifice without love. So love will often lead to sacrifice, but you can sacrifice without love. And I think the way that that works out, like here you see there is just a, a incredible generosity. So I can give away all that I have. And then there's this incredible self-sacrifice. You can even deliver up your body to be burned. How can you do that without love? Well, it all depends why you did it. And the end of the verse reveals the motive. Because it says, you can do all that, but have not love, I gain nothing. So this is the, the, the key here for self-examination. Is, okay, you sacrifice so much, but what was it you were actually looking to gain? And I think the way this comes out, it can often come out in bitterness in these words. 
after all I've done for you, this is how you repay me? You see it? Right? And I don't know how many times I've said that, but I know I've thought it many more times. There was when I was in youth ministry, there was a joke with the uh the pastors in the youth ministry. They would just kind of joke around stupid kids. It was sort of this like sarcastic, dry humor, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> the kids are like so ungrateful. They don't realize how much we're doing for them. So that was kind of the joke. We were just kind of stupid kids, you know. But I think veiled behind that humor is this kind of attitude, right? After all I've done for you, I can certainly do that as a father. I have three kids, you know. I can do that with my church members, do that with anyone. So sacrifice is good, but why do you do it? Jesus, he said in the Sermon on the Mount that you can give away, but if you announce it, then you already have your reward. You do it to impress people, you already have your reward, right? And said our reward should be in heaven, and our motive here should be to love one another. So uh, I, I think the introduction here, 1 Corinthians 13, sometimes we pass over this very quickly, but I find it to be very penetrating um, fuel for self-examination here. Sometimes we prioritize our personalities and our abilities and our sacrifice more than our love. And so it's just a good, it's just a good, uh, uh, series of questions here to just kind of do a, a check on your own heart, your own life. Going back to that question, what is life? What have you been living for? Have you been trying to impress people around you? Have you been trying to hone your abilities and talents, build your business or resume? Have you been working hard for your family, sacrificing everything? These are all great things. But without love, you're a noisy gong. You're nothing. And you gain nothing. And we see this theme um, very clearly in warmer passage. Just want to turn there. Uh, if you would, First uh, John chapter four. First John was written to give us tests for our salvation. How do we know we've been born again? Basically, and a lot of ways. Uh, chapter four verses. 7 to the end, really uh, gets to the heart of the matter. And let me just read verse uh, 7 and 8, and then we'll jump to the end. First John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, 
because God is love. And then jump to verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I mean, First John is uh, it's it's very uh, uh, it's very black and white, so it's very penetrating in that way. But this passage here really just gives it to us straight the priority of love, right? Would you say you love God? And then the second question, though, is there anyone in your life right now that you are harboring some kind of bitterness against? Is there anyone in your life right now who you just kind of want to avoid? You would rather not talk to? Then your answer, if your answer to the first question was yes, and your answer to your second question, the second question was yes. Then God's word is saying, you're a liar. And you know, the, the thing that's so hard about being a, a preacher is God just has a way <laughs> of knowing, like when, when I'm going to preach on a passage, he just has a way of bringing that into my life so that what I say has to match the way that I live my life. And it just so happens as I was preparing for this conference, it's, uh, I can think very clearly of two particular people <laughs> who it's just very difficult to love right now. And it is all by design. What John is trying to communicate to us is that if you have a hard time loving anyone in your life, it means to that same degree you lack an understanding and knowledge of the gospel. If you really understood the gospel, the love of God for you, you wouldn't be having such a hard time loving this person. And so what is the gospel? What is, what is this that we need? just want to conclude our time today looking at that in this passage. And there's just several gems here to, to glean on. But the first one is just to think, in verse 7, let us love one another, for love is from God. And here is the key to love. Love is not a merely a technique. Love is not merely the power of positive thinking. Love is like a fountain, and it cannot flow unless there is a source. And what we see here is that the source of love is God. And so if we have a hard time loving, 
What it means is we are not receiving love from God. And that brings us to verse 13, actually. And this is probably the reminder that all of us need, uh, especially if you've been in the church for any time. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Just want you to focus in on the, the word abide. And that, that word repeats in the passage here. It, it happened again in verse 12. God abides in us. In verse 16, God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. I actually live by the Elliott River. Um, and if you guys didn't know, there's actually water in the LA River. Um, and, and, uh, and where I live, uh, there's actually like plants and trees there. Um, and every time I walk by it, um, I am reminded of the imagery in Revelation it talks about how, uh, in the new heavens and new earth, there'll be a river flowing through it. And I think that's a, it's really a, it's a picture of, the living waters of God's love that is nourishing everything. Brothers, that, that's, that's how we ought to be in our hearts. Every single day, having the, the, the nourishment of the love of God abiding in us. It's like filling us up so that it, it overflows into the people in our lives. How do you abide in the love of God? Um, if you back it up to verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what you see in verses 7 to 13, actually, to abide in love, the love of God, it's Trinitarian in nature, right? So we see God, we see the Son, and we see the Spirit all here, but it all centers upon the Son of God, his person and his work, where he was sent into the world to be the propitiation for our sins, and so how do you have the love of God abide in you? Um, I was, uh, I was re- reading a, a preaching book for uh, my uh, doctoral studies by William Shedd. Uh, and um, 
it's really good for for those of you into to preaching. Um, I just discovered it through through the curriculum. But one thing that I found really life giving because he was talking about how do you maintain passion in your preaching, and he says basically just make sure you're a spiritual person. <laughs> but then he says how can you be a spiritual person? And he says, basically, you want to keep two phrases in your mind at all times. The first is, God is love. But the second is, God is a consuming fire. And you need both. Because if you forget that God is a consuming fire, then you will take for granted These words here, that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is really, for the believer and for everyone, this is the primary reason why we lack in our love. It's because we are so eloquent in our theology, but it becomes a Christless theology, or we are so eloquent in talking about Christology that we forget the sinfulness in our own hearts for which Christ died. We forget that God is a consuming fire, and because of my own lack of love for my wife and for my kids and for the members of my church, I deserve to be consumed. So, put it another way, William Shedd says, you should always have two words in your mind, guilt and grace. And those are the the two gears that move the engine of love in your heart. Guilt and grace. I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. That's what always needs to be turning in our hearts, in our minds. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, so this past uh, season, I, uh, I coached uh, my son's uh, Little League baseball team. I was actually just kind of the assistant coach. There was four of us. And, uh, you know, I love these coaches because they're, they're all in, really intense, talking like four-hour practices, uh, three days a week, you know. It's like all in. That's not including games. Um, and so uh, I, 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 I thought it was, a, it was a good time for me to just kind of be out in the world. Sometimes I'm in my church bubble. So out there. Um, and just trying to be a light. But I'll tell you, um, just being so involved in that, I think I got a taste of what it's like to be just a normal member in the church, right? Because most of you guys aren't able to study the Bible 24-7 and study theology. You're usually worried about answering emails or all the other things that your job requires of you, right? And so I found myself... Uh, learning a lot about baseball, you know, learning about the swing and maintaining lag and, you know, proper shoulder angle and, and like throwing techniques and all that. I'm watching, there's so much on YouTube. It's awesome. Right. Um, so not to brag or boast, but my son's like the best pitcher in his league. Um, <laughs> I guess I did, but, um, but I'll tell you, there were many times when I, I was more interested in looking up a YouTube video to answer a question I had about baseball than I was meditating upon the love of God who sent his son to die for my sins. 
Can any of you guys relate? Like this, the struggle is real. So I, I think one of the great challenges for us is found in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I think that preposition there is very key. It's not in him. The love of the Father needs to be in us. But what pushes it out? It is a love for the world and the things of the world. And it's much like the, the parable of the sower and the seed, right? There was different uh, soils. One fell among the thorns, and it choked the word. Baseball was choking the word for me. All these things are good. God made the world good, and it should be received with gratefulness. But not to the point where it chokes the love of God in us, and especially when you're able to see it, if you ask your wife who can just tell you that you're not loving her the way she would like to be loved. And the way I can just see it, I mean, the great thing about baseball is I get to spend a lot of time with my son. And I'll tell you, it's, it's really trying on the patience. And when I, whenever I lose my patience, it reveals to me the world is more in me than the love of the Father is in me. And so, brothers, what I want to communicate to you in this time is just very simple, is the priority of love. Out of all the things you can pursue in life, there's only one thing that matters to God, right? Out of all the commandments in Scripture, we know this. Jesus boiled it down for us. You love God with all your heart so that his love is in you. And that will overflow into loving your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Everything else doesn't matter without that. And as it turns out, everything else is just the channel to do that. Right? So I, I love the, the opportunity to, um, to coach the baseball. There's so many kids who need love, you know? So it was, a, it was a great opportunity to, to channel God's love through them and, and in your workplaces and, and everything else. But if you don't have that river of love flowing through you, then it's all nothing, empty, meaningless. The motto of our church is to be a community of disciple-making disciples. What is a disciple of Jesus Christ? Jesus tells us very clearly in John 13, if you love one another, the world will know you're my disciples. So maybe just a final thought or question here for self-examination and just maybe examination as a church, as IBC. If someone from the world were to walk into your church on Sunday, would they feel the love of God in your church? from you. Like there was a, just, just right before this, there was a guy across the street 
He like, he walked up to me. I was sort of like, well, what does he want? Right. And he's like, Hey, you have a jumper cable. And I was like thinking in my mind, you know, do I got it? You know who I am? <laughs> I'm going to be guest speaking right here. I don't have time for you. Right. But what is it all about? It's, it's loving our neighbors. Right. So even that, there's something to consider. What do you, I wonder what your neighbors around the church think of you guys? Question for consideration, right? But even what would your wives say? What would your parents say? I live with my parents. Tell you that's a great exercise of love there, right? But more than all of that, what would God say? What's the priority in your life? May we be known as men who love love. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, um, our prayer is simple. You know we lack love. And so we ask for you to fill us, to perfect us even with your love that it may overflow into love for one another, even every member of our church, even every member of our community here and in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever we go, that the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the God of love may be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.